The U.S. defense industry is large, complex, and competitive. It is also lucrative for those companies able to navigate it successfully. The American Society of Military Comptrollers helps bridge the gap between the boardroom and the battlefield while supporting transformation in the defense sector. The Business of Defense podcast brings you inside the companies working to achieve this directly from the business leaders and to understand how they create value for their companies and their customers. For more information on ASMC, visit asmconline.org. Let's travel the world together She can make it easy and in any kind of weather No TSA, no bad checks, no patting down She's talking from the skies and sending lots of feel-good sounds Oh, Betty in the sky, have you heard her yet? She loves traveling, there's no doubt Betty and the Jets She's weird and wonderful Oh, Betty, she's a podcast queen She's wearing high heel shoes Got her wings on, too You know I've never seen a better stew Oh, Betty and the Jets Hello, and welcome to Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Betty. I'm a flight attendant for a major airline, and I bring you stories from the flight attendants and the pilots and from traveling around the world. In this episode, we have stories about India, naked guys, infidelity, skunks, roast beef, and crazy people. Let's get on with the show. I've got two updates from the last episode. In the last episode, I... uh, was telling how I went to a hotel and got to my room, opened the door, saw a what looked like a crew suitcase, and then a naked man. Uh, a man in striped green boxer brief underwear and uh, who was very uh, fit and um, healthy. <laughs> And I went down to the front desk and said, oh, there's a naked man in my room. And then she said, oh, yes, uh, you don't look like a William. And uh, and I said, well, William looks really good in his underwear. So the next week, I'm going to the same hotel and I get to the front desk. It's the same lady. And I say, hi, can I get a room with a handsome naked man again like last week? And she's laughing and she's getting up. She blushes easily. And so uh, she's laughing and she goes, guess what? And I'm like, what? She goes, I talked to William. And I said, you did? And she said, yeah. So when he came to check out, uh, I started blushing and he said, oh, did someone tell you I got walked in on? And she goes, yes, she did. <laughs> and he goes, really? And she goes, really? And then she said, and she said, no, I was really blushing. And I said, um, she was really impressed. <laughs> and William said, really? And she was like, really? <laughs> and, uh, Another update in the same hotel uh, the week before when I uh, had my William encounter. Uh, And and you know what? By the way, I might run into William sometime. So apparently it was a pilot because I asked her, I'm like, was he a pilot? Because it looked like a crew bag. And she was like, yes. And I said, well, I I was so focused on um, the flat stomach and all that I didn't really pan up to see his face. And I said, oh, was he really young? You know, we have a lot of young pilots because I was thinking he was probably really young and that's why he was so fit and um, 
impressive. And she goes, no, he wasn't really young, but she said he was very handsome. So there are going to be times the pilots come into our briefing and I'm going to be thinking, William? (laughs) Okay, so anyway, at that same hotel, I was telling you in the last episode that I had gotten this tip from uh, one of my favorite flight attendants, and he had said that his hairdresser said the best conditioner for your hair is mayonnaise. So I had taken uh, mayonnaise in two Ziplocs and used it on the last um, time I was there. And, uh, you know, it's kind of messy. It's like... Uh, and um, and it's, there's definitely a mayonnaise smell. So anyway, I did it again that time. So uh, here I am putting my mayonnaise on. And... Uh, it's messy, and uh, you you put a shower cap on, you leave it on for twenty minutes, and then uh, you go and sh- you know rinse it out. Well, the other hotel room had a um, shower curtain, and this one had a shower door. And when I was done rinsing all my mayonnaise out, <laughs> I look at the, I look I look at the shower door, and it's nothing but white dripping liquid mayonnaise kind of looks like the the shower from the psycho movie but instead of blood it's all white and i'm thinking oh the maid oh the maid's gonna think it's some other fluid some other (laughs) fluid people might have in the shower so i'm like frantically cleaning the shower (laughs) so while the mayonnaise is really good for uh conditioning your hair it's uh you gotta you gotta do some Extra shower cleanup. Look at me. We had been out the crew the night before, you know, had our little wine and enjoyed yep. our dinners. And then the next morning, I sleep in. I, don't, I never sleep over. I'm in a rush. I'm grabbing stuff, putting it in the suitcases. So you overslept? Overslept just a little bit for my time. I wasn't late. Right. Then I go to the elevator. Oh. As soon as I get inside, the doors close, and it starts, it stops. That's a terrible feeling. And now we're close to pickup. (laughs) And now you're pushing that button, trying to understand the person on the microphone there talking to you. I'm going, I'm stuck. I'm stuck. Hello? Hello? Help. They finally come to me. They finally get to me, and we're trying to communicate. And I'm telling them, Please go down and tell my right. crew. They're on the bus outside of the hotel. They're going to leave me. Where, right. You know, that's a long way into the city. Where were you? In okay. Paris. Paris. Oh, that's a really long that's way. That's a little, yeah. They finally get the elevator down to where it's like half. So they pull me, they help me. They pull me up <laughs> out of there onto the floor. In your uniform. In my uniform and my bags. And I'm freaking out because I don't want to be left. Yeah. Now I'm not worried about the elevator deal anymore. I'm worried about being left in in Paris and then go to the elevator get my way down and I'm running through the lobby (laughs) onto the bus and they're all looking at me like sure likely story I'm like I swear I I was stuck I I, I swear I was stuck I did not (laughs) (laughs) it was you you just felt like really it's true it's true don't touch me So I flew with a girl, and she had some good stories. She didn't want to be recorded, but uh, she was telell me that when she was new um new ish, they were going to a hotel, and the captain had a young, sexy girl in the van with them, and the other flight attendants were kind of like you know not saying anything but like eyeing each other like, 
huh, he's got a wedding ring on. Is this his wife? They didn't know. But then they get to the, they got their hotel keys and uh, they were standing out with their doors open. They had checked their rooms because uh, they had, at the time, they had always made a big deal about us checking our room for, you know, somebody being in there. We don't really do that as much anymore. But anyway, uh, then they were all standing in the hallway saying like, what should we do? What should we do on the layover? And here comes an older woman, uh, more the captain's age. And uh, they know that the young lady is in the room with the captain. So here comes what now they're figuring out. Oh, here comes the wife. The wife has come on the layover and maybe the captain doesn't know because he's got a young girl in his room. So she's like, Charlie, hi, Charlie, open the door, Charlie. And they're all like, so they're all standing in the hall of the hotel with their doors open in their uniforms with a suitcase thinking, oh, what's going to happen? This, this, is, this, this is the wife. And how, what is he going to do? And so she's, then she's getting like, Charlie, 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 open the door, Charlie. So um, now they're all, they're, they're, they're all getting kind of stressed out. They get, oh, my gosh, what are they going to witness? So uh, he doesn't answer. So... She's now getting more insistent, and they're all getting really tense. And then here comes a bellhop. A bellhop comes up, goes to the room next to Charlie. Um, doesn't he says something? Uh, they open that that door opens. The bellhop goes in. Uh, bellhop comes out, leaves, and they're thinking, "Huh?" And then the lady's still like, "Charlie, Charlie, open that door, Charlie!" And uh, here comes Charlie opens the door. He's got a towel on. He said, oh, honey, I'm sorry. I was in the shower. I didn't hear you knocking. And all the flight attendants are kind of like, well, when she goes in there, she's going to see the young girl. And, uh, but what had happened was in a, in a good thinking move, he must have called down, down to the front desk and said, I'll give you a hundred dollars. If you come up here, knock on the next room and, um, open the adjoining room. He was really lucky there was an adjoining room. And then the young girl went to the other room. And then he lied and said he was in the shower. And uh, Charlie got off scot-free. She was in Narita. And she was infamous amongst the pilots. And she was going to have her, her way with one of them that night. Oh. And she was walking to him, and he was so excited. And he was married. She was walking over to his hotel. We used to stay in different hotels. Like, we'd stay in one hotel, and sometimes at another base, we'd stay in another hotel. I mean, because we, were like, owned that little, you know, we, like, we, every base we were in flew to Narita. Right. So, anyway, it's like Amsterdam used to be, the flight attendants. So, anyway, um, she got hit by a car on her way oh to, yeah. Yeah, she got hurt really bad. But the pilot tells the story that that car saved his marriage. (laughs) (laughs) So I went to a little Halloween party, even though, you know, probably wasn't the best idea with the coronavirus and everything. But I moved to a new place and I'm trying to make new friends. And um, uh, it was my neighbor. So I couldn't exactly say I'm going to be flying because <laughs> it'd be obvious like I wasn't. So anyway, um, I wanted to go anyway, and I hadn't been to a Halloween party in a long time. And uh, originally, it was just going to be a few people and um, 
no costumes or anything. And then, uh, like two days before, I got a text saying, "Okay, yes, we're we're dressing up." And I was like, "Oh, I don't, hmm, huh? I don't have a costume. Um, there's no costume stores where I live." And I was like, "Huh." So I got I got I got to be creative here. So I remembered way back long time ago, I was at a costume party where uh, a guy had a curious costume on and it took uh, the, everybody at the party a while to figure it out. So I, fi- but it was easy. So all it was, was I just black out, I put a, I had a black eye. So I just put black makeup all around one eye and I got felt and I um, made a P and pinned it on my shirt. So I was a black eyed P. Uh, you know, it didn't take a lot of work. It was easy. But uh, it actually was kind of a hit at the party because people didn't know what I was. <laughs> and they couldn't figure it out. And it was funny because I figured um, almost as soon as I got there, one lady said, huh, you have a black eye and you're wearing a P. So I was thinking, oh, jigs up. She's already got it. And she was like, I don't get it. You got a black eye and then there's a P. Huh. So then I was like, oh, this is kind of fun. <laughs> so other people got in and they were like, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Uh, is this something political? And I was like, no. And then uh, somebody else was like, um, are you an abused wife? And I'm like, no. And uh, somebody else was like, let's see. So you're, uh, you got a black eye and you got a pea. So you were like a pop eye. And I'm like, Oh, that's pretty creative. But then slowly people would get it and then they'd be like, oh, I got it. <laughs> it was fun. This next story, the flight attendant's laugh is just adorable. Well, there was this one flight. I was flying to Amsterdam and there was this woman. She walked to the back of the galley and she kept saying, can't breathe I can't breathe and I'm looking at her like uh yeah you can <laughs> talking. so so I asked what's what's wrong she's like I'm having an allergic reaction and I said to what she said the green stuff and I said the salad she goes no and she pointed at the hummus oh so I said this so then she had a panic attack she passed out Oh, really? Yes. So we got the oxygen tanks and um, we put her on some oxygen. That wasn't really doing much. Page for medical professionals, uh, pharmacy tech came. Pharmacy tech? Yeah, pharmacy tech. Then we had um, cardiologists. Okay. We had another doctor. I don't know what she did. We had another one that came back. It was like six medical professionals all trying to use the EpiPen oh. because of it. And everybody was jabbing her, like stabbing her in the leg. <laughs> they were stabbing her in the leg. And it, it took the EMT to come back there and say, uh, you, need a, you need a syringe. And so they're, they're, everybody's looking and I'm like, this is a cardiologist. He didn't know how right. to do it. They I mean, really, it. you're the top of the, but no. They don't do They that. don't do the small stuff, yeah. right? That's weird. They should at least have training in that. But whatever. There was a sweet... They were jabbing her. <laughs> they were all, I mean, stabbing. And just hitting her, just hitting her. And I was like, this is like a horror movie. <laughs> so sorry. And so there was a sweet lady comes back. And she says, 
ma'am, um, I said, yes, are you a medical professional? She said, no, but can I pray for her? It's oh. like, yeah, please. Yeah, please go over there and pray for her. Long story short, we ended up landing with her strapped to an IV on a pole in the back on the floor. Oh my wow. gosh. Yeah. Yes. But when we landed, you know, we called for paramedics right. and things. She got up and tried to run off the plane. She didn't want any help. She was from the Philippines, and so she just didn't want anyone to touch her. She just wanted to take her next flight. Yeah, she didn't want to be late. She didn't know. She needed to get to her flight. She had somewhere to be. <laughs> I'd like to thank any of you who were so kind when you were going to buy something on Amazon and people are going to be buying a lot of stuff probably this Christmas season. You went to my website, BettyInTheSky.com. It doesn't cost you anymore. It supports the show. And I like to see what people uh, buy. It looks like a lot of people were buying face masks this past month. Somebody bought a uh, pale male face mask. It's like, huh, pale male. Are they pale face masks? Uh, somebody else bought uh, Muscleman's red spiced apple rings and somebody else bought an airplane pilot heartbeat funny airplane mask so there's airplane masks out there and like i said i just want to thank you so much for going to my website bettyinthesky.com it doesn't cost you anymore it supports the show and uh i love it okay this was on my flight okay and we had this really, really crazy pilot in Dallas that had this puppet that was a skunk. And a skunk. A skunk. <laughs> but it was all fluffy like a like I've a stuffed of, animal. I've heard of puppet people, but never a skunk puppet. It was a skunk. So <laughs> So when he when he um when he would talk to us, he would he would act like it was a ventriloquist dummy right. and he would talk too. Well then <laughs> Then I heard the captain later on, when we were still on the ground and the doors open, the captain was doing the checklist and I heard him say, put that thing down. <laughs> and so I peeked into the into the cockpit and they were trying to do the checklist and apparently that crazy co-pilot with the skunk was 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 doing the checklist answering the checklist with the oh puppet. It's like put the skunk down. And and Auntie <laughs> said, either put it down or I'm throwing it out the window. Yep. <laughs> so you had a puppet one too? No. Okay. But this guy, this pilot, he was known as the Cookie Monster. Okay. Because uh, he was a freak. He'd buy you cookies and then try to, you know, it was just disgusting. And this was like international. I was based in Hawaii at the time. So this happened in Guam. It okay. happened in Guam? Uh-huh. In the pool in Guam. Uh-oh. He had a toupee. And it was super long. Uh-huh, yeah. And it fell off in Guam and they thought it was a snake in the pool. The cookie monsters. That's oh, like, yeah. Oh my gosh. They were laughing. People were laughing so hard. They were like, oh my God, look, there's a snake. And then they're like, no, that's the cookie monsters toupee <laughs> in the pool in Guam. Okay, that reminds me of another oh, pilot yeah. story. Yay. Okay, so, so then there was this other pilot. And I had gone in to introduce myself to the, to the cockpit crew. And... I was standing, you know, behind them because we can't go any far any farther because of the console. Right. And I looked down, and the captain clearly has just had hair plugs. Ouch. And it was not a good job. It looked like one of those baby dolls where it has yes, the plugs yes, yes. of hair everywhere. Remember and I was, and I was standing there looking horrified. 
and I saw, and I looked over at the co-pilot, and he was like covering his mouth, trying not to laugh because he was looking at my look of horror. Oh my God, <laughs> bad plugs. That's really bad, bad plugs. Bad plugs. <laughs> so as bad as those plugs were, I was thinking it was probably a really really cheap job, right. but they don't spread. You know, like Bermuda grass, they don't spread. They just stay in little plugs on their head. Okay, this is a different type of segment, and I don't know if you guys will like it or not, and maybe some of you can let me know. But I found these journals that I forgot that I had written, uh, travel journals, and from a long time ago. <laughs> I wish I would have known I had these journals. I found them in the move, uh, but I wish I would have known I had them when I was writing Betty and the Jets, The Adventures of a Traveling Fool, because it really would have helped with writing those books. Uh, this from <laughs> 1998 in my first big trip to India. I was traveling with two friends, a really pretty uh, brunette and a redhead, and it's kind of like we were like Charlie's Angels traveling in India. <laughs> Okay, this is what I wrote at the time. Who would have ever thought I'd have the desire or the gumption to want to go to India? Well, I'm on my fourth and final flight en route to New Delhi, so there's no turning back now. As of day one, April 22, 1998, I had my doubts. It's hard enough to travel standby to Pittsburgh, let alone travel halfway around the world with two buddy pass riders. We went to the airport on Wednesday and didn't get on the flight to Zurich. If that wasn't bad enough, they sent my two friends' bags on without them. Those two have been quite the troopers. But here we are, two days later, after traveling L.A., Atlanta, Atlanta, Frankfurt, Frankfurt, Zurich, Zurich, Delhi. And we are now a mere eight hours from our destination. I have to admit, I'm feeling apprehensive. Everyone you meet has words of wisdom or warnings about traveling to India. Most people question your motives for going to such a place. It's not like a normal vacation destination. It's not like Club Med or Hawaii, but, but it's alluring nonetheless. I suppose India appealed to me for numerous reasons. Of course, yoga and the lure of the mystical Himalayas. We would also like to try to see the great tigers before our greedy race destroys the species. And I had to be honest, it's fun to tell people you're going to India just for the reactions. I decided to rejoice in my singledom instead of whining about it. I'm going to bag some big destination trips while I'm unattached. Africa, Costa Rica, and Iceland are my next thoughts. I really don't have the cash for a huge traveling, but I'm not going to let that stop me. I'll simply fly more hours and buy less clothes. <laughs> anyway, I hope I don't wimp out when we get there. I hope I can stomach the heat, the poverty, and the smells and the crowds. My friend's bags didn't make it to Delhi, so there's one more hurdle to jump. We bargained poorly with the taxi driver. Uh, but we did arrive at our guest house. What a strange place Master Payne's guest house is. We got there at 1 a.m. to find our rooms were not air-conditioned, and one of them had no privacy at all. It was like open windows without curtains opening into the house. After a few hours' sleep, 
the guest house didn't seem so bad. We had a light breakfast of tea and toast, which would turn out to be the norm, and we ventured out into New Delhi. I can't say I liked Delhi. <laughs> it was crazy, dirty, and disturbing. When we got back to the guest house, we still had to get the bags back. I forgot to mention the three-hour ordeal of buying a train ticket to Hardywar. <sighs> My friends were wonderful to not make me go to the airport with them so I could get some sleep. But I couldn't sleep because I was worried whether they'd find their bags. Apparently, it was a monumental task, but they arrived back at the guest house with the bags in tow in the middle of the night. The power went out in the morning, so it was interesting departing for the train station at 5.30 a.m. Actually, the train ride to Hardiwar was pleasant, and I sat next to a nice man named Surrender, who was Indian but now lives in Atlanta. Exiting the train was eye-opening because it was a holy day in Hardiwar, and thousands of locals make a pilgrimage to cleanse in the Ganges. We got in a taxi to go what the guidebook said sounded like a good hotel in Rishikesh, which likewise sounded good in the guidebook. <laughs> we thought we'd do some yoga, meditation, and organize a trek in the Indian Himalayas. The hotel was beyond yucky, and the town was depressing, dirty, and small. We decided to have a taxi drive us to the other side of the river, to another ashram that was in the book and looked good. He dropped us off, but unfortunately, there were no rooms available. Now what? We left my one friend with the bags as we looked around the horrible excuses for hotels. <laughs> and then we realized we had left my other friend's backpack just laying on the road. <laughs> I find it hard to put into words how tired and confused I felt at this moment. Should we stay at one of these horrid hotels? Obviously, there was no place to do yoga, and we each had a huge bag with trekking gear. The town was filthy and depressing, and we hadn't slept in days. I actually ate some of the meal on the train, but my friends had not. They had had only one meal since arriving on the continent. These circumstances don't lend themselves to good decisions, so we decided to cross the river in search of something better. Now, the only way to cross the river was by foot because there was no car-sized bridge and nothing slightly resembling a taxi in this ramshackle town. So we headed across the rocky, watery path to the makeshift bridge that crossed the Ganges, each of us carrying a bag half our size. To the locals, we must have been quite the sight. Three American girls, a blonde, a brunette, and a redhead, rolling up our pants to cross the water with huge bags. On top of all this, who only knows what lays ahead on the other side of the river? We got over there with a kind of now-what exasperation. It was well-founded, but we found a taxi to agree to take us to the Apex Travels, where our guesthouse owner had suggested we could arrange services. We asked them about the best hotel in town, which turned out to be <laughs> way below acceptable level. But, you know... When in India, we decided to make the best of it. We got out our sleeping bags and put them on top of the beds because we were so unsure of the linens. Next up, breakfast of once again tea and toast and then off for a seven-hour non-air-conditioned car ride to the Corbett National Park. That car ride was a giant eye-opener. Smog, massive exhaust, pollution, not to mention the people who just used the side of the road as a toilet, pooping on the side of the road. 
pooping on the side of the road. We were totally exhausted upon arrival to find out that the hotel we wanted to stay in was full, complete with a tour bus outside. Quite frankly, we hadn't seen many other tourists, most likely because of the heat. So after getting turned away from Tiger Tops, we went down the road to the Claridges, which would turn out to be one of our first oasises in India. Immediately, my tension ceased because of the wooded charm of the resort. They took us to lunch even before going to the room, and it was like being comforted in your mother's lap. Our room was comfortable, and the grounds and pool were beautiful. After settling in, we went on an elephant ride into exotic India. We saw monkeys and enjoyed seeing local colorful women hauling bundles atop their heads. This was a favorite night of mine because they had a fire outside and locals sang and danced before dinner. Sitting before the campfire, I vowed to myself that I would do more international travel. They woke us for tea and cookies at 5.45 a.m. and then took us on my very first ever safari. So I don't know if you guys are going to like that. If you do, I'll start reading some more of that because it's like um, stepping back in time. You know, as here I was like, I'm going to do some international travel. I don't know if I could do it. And guess what? I did. <laughs> this next story is from a podcast that I really like. It's called Sunday Papers, and its hosts are Greg Fitzsimmons and Mike Gibbons. What do we got? Finnish Airlines is offering, ready for this? Would-be travelers who missed the taste of airline food among the COVID-19 pandemic the chance to bring in-flight meals home. They announced the airline-inspired Taste of Fin Fin Air meals will be available Thursday at the Kmart City City Mart stores. Uh, The meals are inspired by Nordic and Japanese flavors and seasonal ingredients. The menus include, for example, Finnish smoke and reindeer. Okay. So I did hear about, have you heard about flights to nowhere? I think we covered that one week. People are, I think it was happening in Australia particularly, they would get on a plane, fly around, and then land in the same airport they took off from, and these were selling out. No shit. And the pilot would like point out, there's the Great Barrier Reef, but, but, but people were so stir-crazy and stuff. And I think it was pretty safe down under. I think maybe they had things under control. So, yeah, people were doing that. Uh, I, don't think they were, <laughs> I don't think they were doing it for the food. I wonder if you get frequent flyer miles for that. I mean, if you're nope. landing in the same place, have you gone a mile? Also, you're like, how did you lose my luggage? (laughs) (laughs) So the crazy people are flying around. I I knew it was going to happen. It happened after 9-11. People with some screws loose and already a crack and already have issues. When something like this happens to the world, like a big event, it... They just can't handle it, and they spin out. So we're on a flight, and we were having a really difficult flight because the in-flight entertainment system wasn't working, so people didn't have movies. But that wouldn't be that bad. But also because um, 
the system controls the seats. The people in first class couldn't recline their seats or, or lay flat. And they were like, I paid all this money and I don't have a movie. I don't even have a reading light because so the purser was frantically trying to get the system to work. You know, she's up there. She's up there with the screen and she's uh, trying to get it to work because the whole plane is unhappy, right? So then... And the, the two other flight attendants and I are just doing the meal service, just hoping we're going to get the seats to work. And then here comes this guy. He's got his suitcases. He's an older guy. And he says, um, you can't hold me prisoner. I'm getting off this plane. And uh, we were like, what? <laughs> it's like, I got other stuff. We got other fish frying here. Now we got a guy and he's like, uh, I am getting off this plane. And we're in the air. And uh, he's like, you can't hold me prisoner. I'm getting off this plane. And uh, we're like... And we're like, well, we, we kind of can. Like, <laughs> basically, you're staying here till we get to Amsterdam because there's no way for you to get off the plane. You know, and they were, we were trying to calm him down. And then a passenger said, because uh, we were doing the meal service, uh, uh, she said he was at the door, at the two door saying, hello, hello, I want to get out of here. <laughs> now, granted, he wasn't... Um, I think he might have had some dementia, but he was so upset the whole flight. And he would say things like, why are you my enemy? And like, I don't know why anybody put him on the plane. But then my very next trip, and I'm actually not going to tell the story, even though it was a very dramatic story. Maybe I'll be able to tell you sometime, but I'm afraid there might be lawsuits and stuff. But we had, we had a passenger go crazy and hit flight attendants and bite and spit and ended up having to put her in zip ties. But all I'm saying is... Um, Flying is actually really easy right now. Like the the there aren't many passengers, the service is easy, but then we got these crazy people. <laughs> it's like it's like passengers gone wild. Um, the girl's um, housewife of Hollywood. Oh wow! No housewife of Beverly Hills. Yeah. Going to Dubai. And I went over, you know, after a 16-hour flight, I right. was like totally over, and my English, my guess, my English get screwed. And I said, "Would you like to have a chicken salad or roast beef?" She said, "What?" A chicken salad or roast beef? <laughs> what? She said, "Roast what? Roast beef? What?" She said, "You couldn't understand my roast beef." I said, "What part of my roast beef you don't get?" <laughs> and they started it? laughing, you know, they started laughing. And then they were calling me Ross Beef, Ross Beef, <laughs> they calling me Mr. Ross Beef. It was funny. That was funny. So, no surprise, but uh, Europe is locking down because of the coronavirus, uh, the second wave, and uh, makes my layovers, um, you know, not as fun. <laughs> that's that's understandable and um but there's different restrictions in each country and each city so like in paris you're not allowed to go a kilometer from your hotel and you're only allowed to be outside for an hour and only to go to the grocery store and um i was in amsterdam and i had been in amsterdam like two weeks before and everything was hunky-dory and then now it's a lockdown the hotel gave us a sheet you know saying uh, all the rules with the new you know, coronavirus lockdown. And it said, um, you cannot purchase alcohol after 8 p.m. And uh, I was thinking, well, that's understandable. Uh, but I then I read it again and it said, um, no alcohol or soft drinks can be purchased after 8 p.m. And I was like, huh, soft drinks. 
people get are people getting fat? <laughs> I'm like, oh, I don't get that. I, I get the alcohol, even though the alcohol is a little bit random, considering Amsterdam is usually known for their vices. And uh, like the one girl the next day was like, I just tried to order room service and have a beer after eight. And they said, no, you can't have a beer. And she's like, I can't have one beer in my room alone. Like, <laughs> anyway, you know, they don't want people partying. Uh, so you can't buy alcohol or soft drinks after eight. And so the next day in the van, I'm like, uh, well, I was at the grocery store at like 730 and everybody seemed, you know, like, uh, amped up, like hurry, like get, get, get some wine, hurry up, get some drinks. You know, you're not going to be able to get any alcohol. Ah. And I said to the other flight attendant, I was like, um, I get the alcohol, but why can't you buy soft drinks? And she goes, it said soft drugs, no alcohol or soft drugs after 8 p.m. And what I realized was my mind auto-corrected because I had never seen the term soft drugs. Like, I'd never heard that before, soft drugs. And what they meant was marijuana, I guess. I don't know what other drug is considered a soft drug, but no alcohol or soft drugs after 8 p.m. Well, that's about it for this episode of Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I hope you'll join me again next time so we can travel around the world together. Thanks. <laughs> Bye. It's like, put the skunk down. Evan, her This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer.